Hey everyone, this is Jeff and Jill from You Evolve Buffalo, and this is episode nine of our podcast. And we have a very special guest today, Brian Sperduti of Sperduti Fitness, which we're very excited to be chatting with today. But before we get into the interview portion of our program, we need to give a couple uh, announcements of what's going on at You Evolve Buffalo. And I'm going to turn that over to Jill because she is spearheading a clothing drive, which I think is an excellent opportunity for the community to participate in and continue with our You Give Buffalo mantra of trying to give back a little bit to the community who has given us so much. So Jill, why don't you uh, let everybody know what the clothing swap's all about? Sure, so on Saturday, September 24th from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., we're gonna be running a clothing swap. Basically, we're gonna have tables set up um, we've asked people to basically go through their closets, figure out what they no longer wear, maybe no longer fit in, whatever it be, of their um, gently used clothes that we um, that they bring them in clean. And we're going to have tables basically lined up. Um, at the gym? By, yep, at the gym by size. Um, and you'll be able to come drop off your clothes, go through whatever we have. And there's no... Um, this isn't a sale. This is literally just all donation based to one another. We have people, um, you know, and how this kind of came about is we've had people in our transformation program basically talking about how they need a whole new wardrobe um, after they've lost a decent amount of weight. And, you know, we were basically talking about how they have all of these clothes that no longer fit them and they need to buy, buy more. And, um, you know, thought that this would be a good opportunity to um, have people maybe purge their own closets and not break the bank because we're just, it's all freebies um, to come and, uh, you know, come get some new clothes and, you know, have a new wardrobe. So this is all, we're focusing right now just on adult clothes. There's no children clothes closes. There are no <laughs> children's clothes. This is all just men and women um close for right now i have no idea what will show up um so i can make no promises in regards to sizes styles whatever but um if you have workout clothes you're more than welcome to bring them if you have dress clothes casual clothes um i did say that we could do shoes um so what's going to happen to the clothes that that don't get used yeah so any of the clothes that don't end up being take don't end up being taken. I'm gonna drive up to the city mission. That is, um, they're always great about taking clothes and I feel like there's always a need. What I love about the city mission is that those clothes end up being donated. We were, there was um, a couple places like drop boxes that I considered, but then I found out that they resell the clothes, which is fine, but I wanted to make sure that this is something that is strictly donation-based and that it is going to be going to people who maybe don't have the resources to afford it um, or, you know, just don't want to break the bank. Yeah, we know they'll be, yes. <clears throat> they'll be directly used by yes, people that, that need it. For sure. So what are the dates on that again? Dates and time one more time. Uh, it's Saturday, September 24th from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. So just bring your stuff right to U Evolve Buffalo when... You know, come hang out with us, meet us, meet some of the people in your community, and it'll be a good time. Yeah, and um, I did say too, if there are any people, if you do have some extra tables, those were some that was, I think, a little request on our part, just so that way we can kind of um, 
make sure that we have enough for all the clothes that do show up. So if you do have any that you're willing to let us borrow for the few hours, go ahead and shoot me a message. And that would also be much appreciated as well. Okay, without further ado, um, our special guest today is Brian Sperduti. He is the owner, the CEO of Sperduti Fitness. Uh, Brian is also a longtime friend of mine. He also was my prep coach last year. Oh, this year. Jeez, seems it's not that long ago. <laughs> this last spring, he uh, because we started uh, a year ago, um, exactly a year ago, as a matter of fact, it was back in last September, oh, that he, he helped uh, <laughs> prep me for my, my last competition. So he is a contest prep coach. His mantra at Spiriti Fitness is teaching busy individuals how to balance their fitness goals with life's responsibilities by creating new, unique, sustainable approaches that they can stick with. They just released a Spiriti Fitness app, which is free to download. It's got a fantastic free calorie uh, calculator in it, which uh, I actually was playing with. And nice. um, it does, does great work. I, I love the way it sets up your calories and your macros, takes a lot of things into consideration as far as like your lifestyle and obviously your height and weight and a bunch of information. So if you need some accuracy as to where you should be setting your calories or your macros, you can download that on your Spurduti Fitness app. He has a YouTube channel, Spurduti Fitness, which also has an intro to flexible dieting video series on there, which I would encourage everybody to check out. He has the Spurduti Fitness podcast, he is a man of many hats, which <laughs> we'll talk about as uh, you, you have to have many hats in this business, especially as the business model has changed over the years. Please welcome Brian Sperduti. Brian, thank you for joining us on the Evolve Buffalo podcast. Oh, thank you guys for having me. Quite an intro. You forgot janitor in there, though, because we mm -hmm. know how it is at being business owners where you're the CEO. That's great. Yeah, also the janitor. Yeah, the <laughs> janitor. Well. <laughs> they say cook, um, you know, cook and bottle washer. You know, you, <laughs> yeah. you do everything. Thank so, you guys for having me. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's uh, it's it's our pleasure. So before I would, I definitely want to get in touch on your origin stories and mm -hmm. how you came up through through the business. But why don't you tell us a little bit about what you are up to right now? I know you have some people working with you as far as you have a co-host on your, uh, your podcast. You have um, some virtual instructors. You have the app going. You yourself are still very active with online training. Give us a little bit of um, uh, the 20,000-foot overview of, of Duty Fitness. Okay, so... During during COVID, uh, everything shut down, and it was one of those one of those times where, as a trainer, you had to figure out what you wanted to do. I've always had a hand in virtual training, or actually at least virtual nutrition coaching through email, seeing how clients are doing, having them use like something like Google Sheets, tracking their info. We've all done that, but I've always known there was a bigger piece to personal training, especially where we live, because it gets to be so saturated with gyms and stuff like that. So I'm like, okay, how can I increase my reach and during COVID, I'm like, well, you know what? I've always kind of had my foot in virtual training, you know, online. Let's go full-time online. And I came up with the idea to open Spurduty Fitness World-Class Virtual Training. And we've again, we've launched an app. The app provides uh, anybody who signs up for the app, they get a free 30-minute consultation. They get 50% off uh, one of our class packages, either a 30 or 40-minute class package. They can also get 50% off our Intro to Flexible Dieting program. So it's just coming up with it's kind of like building an online gym for people 
Uh, we just launched a class schedule. We offer about 18 to 20 classes a week uh, that they can download the Spiruti Fitness app and uh, register for. They can also go to our Spiruti Fitness website and look at the class schedule and enroll through there as well. Um, it's been quite a ride. I've, I've hired some. Uh, I've hired a few trainers that work for me. Some of them specialize in powerlifting. Some of them specialize in bodybuilding, nutrition coaching. Uh, we offer one-on-one -on -one personal training uh, through Spiruti Fitness as well. Um, it's been it's been uh, it's been quite the experience of being used to being in a gym, hands-on all day, right? And then going from that to all right, sit down, and now you have to write up each program from the app. You have to do the backhand work on the app to upload it. You have to, it's like, it's interesting going from like a hands-on all the time to like more of a management, but still hands-on with people. It, it's been a, it's been a very interesting, awesome ride. But uh, what we want to do is basically be a, a online gym that offers a variety of classes, but not just fitness classes. We have, we work with a mental health counselor. She'll be coming aboard and she'll be offering once a month mental health, like small group mental health counseling. We work at a registered dietitian. So anybody that comes on that we talk to, and if they have any type of diagnosed issue as far as nutrition, we'll refer them to go to her. She also comes on the podcast and she also does some um, classes as well. So it's really just trying to make it this matching up physical and mental programs that can help people when it comes to weight loss and weight loss sustainability. So that's, that's pretty much where Spiruti Fitness is and where I want to see it's going is bringing the mental aspect, the mental health aspect into weight loss, but also providing a bunch of classes they can take in different options as well. So I got a couple questions. Um, yep. One, what what do you have is, what is the types of classes? What are some examples of some of the, so when you say classes, mm -hmm. is something where um, a group of people, I can sign up, join yep. the class, I imagine I'd get a, you know, a link we you know, a virtual setting. What, what are some of those classes? So the classes we offer are morning mobility, which is a stretching class. We offer rebounding, which is a trampoline cat class. All the classes are live. So when you tune in, it's going to be a live instructor that can see you to make sure you're doing what you need to be doing and also monitoring form as you go along as well. We offer butts and guts. We offer Zumba. We offer um, SF30, which is a half hour early morning class, which uh, that actually brings the nutrition aspect into it as well as training. We offer uh, uh, Wake and Work, which is a 5 5.30 class in the morning. The class schedule is posted right on the Spiruti Fitness um, Facebook page. Um, what else do we offer? We offer Zumba, quite the variety though it's quite, it's, it's quite the variety of classes yes what's interesting is the instructors i work with now is they're very active and they're i, I love them they're all very much go-getters so i'll get texts like i want to run this class here's how i want to run it i'm like okay let's get it up let's get it rolling so really that's where we are now as far as um is, is really launching and pushing the class schedule and the group classes the virtual group classes now um because that's something that again it's a lot easier at times, especially with busy schedules, to just flip on your computer, go in the basement, knock something out for 30 minutes, head back upstairs, start breakfast, or you know, you could throw a roast in, and by the time you're done working out for 30 minutes, it's done. So that's, right. that's kind of what we were aiming for with the virtual classes. So let me ask you this. Now, I, I know you. I've known you for a long time, so it's real easy for me to reach out to you. Hey, Brian, mm -hmm. would you be interested in working with me? So on and so forth. If I didn't know you, 
and how, what is the process of, first of all, getting in touch with you and how would it be determined who your client ends up working with? What's the vetting process and, you know, what are, what are the options of how that person would get placed? But we have bios for each trainer on the SpurdutyFitness.com website. But also, once you download the app and you fill out the intro form, it also lists all the trainers with pictures that you can choose who you want to set up your free 30-minute consultation with. But if they want to reach out to me personally, they can reach me at Brian at SpurdutyFitness.com or they can just give me a ring um, right at our, it's my phone number if they want to work with me directly. But we give people the choice to pick who they like to work with. Set up a free consultation. If you feel like you worked well with that person, fantastic. If not, you can always choose another trainer as well. But I always tell people like, it's okay to set up a free consultation, meet with somebody. If you just, if, if you just want to work with somebody else, that's perfectly fine as well. Cool. You want to have a trainer that you vibe with, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So that's, I mean, it's pretty straightforward, pretty, pretty, pretty mm -hmm. painless, right? Nice and easy. Yeah, and, the, and the app's available on Apple and Android platforms. Um, it's totally free to download. You just fill out a little bit of information and, like I said, anybody who downloads the app right now, we're giving a free 30-minute consultation to along with 50% uh, off of any one of our group classes and 50% off our Intro to Flexible Dieting program as well. Excellent. Something that people should definitely try to take advantage of. Yeah. Jill, did, before we go back, uh, did you have any questions before we maybe backtrack and go to Brian's origin stories? And, and... Um, is that your, is it only an app or is it also available like in a web, like a web browser version? You can download it on the Spruity. If you go to SpruityFitness.com, you can also access the app through our site. Oh, nice. Okay. So you can log in. Yep. You can log in right through the, right through the SpruityFitness.com website. You'll see the app login. You can log in there and take your class. So it's desktop as well as that. Like yeah, that's, that's got to be great for because I know some people sometimes um, like to have the larger screen. So it's nice. Mm -hmm. that there's also that web browser version available. Yeah. So it is available on both ends. You can log in through the website or you can download in. Uh, download it right to your phone Very nice. as well. Yeah, it was cool. It's a little bit of a process to put that together, but uh, I have, a, I have a, a really good, um, a really good buddy who really pushed me along. I remember the day um, we'll go ahead uh, with the origin, but I remember the day when I was working with him online and he's like, all right, you know, spruityfitness.com. All right. World-class virtual training. That's what you're going to be. And I was Genesis personal training forever. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that sounds cool, man. You know, maybe one day I'll go back in a gym and he's like, Brian, you're not going back to a gym. I'm like, <laughs> and it was like, you know, you get that sinking feeling like, oh, I guess I'm not. <laughs> and yeah. He's like, when are you going to go? He's like, and then it was, he's very awesome at just pushing me. It's, it's kind of uncomfortable, but it's that good uncomfortable where it's like, why don't you have an app? Uh, you mean like, uh, like you're talking like onion rings? Like, I don't know what you mean. He's like, no, <laughs> like, <laughs> like an app. I'm like, oh, one day down the road, he's like, all right, cool. We have a meeting with a company in Australia next Friday. I'm like, whoa, 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 what, what, what? And it's like, it moved, it moved so fast. But a lot of this stuff, I think people just don't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? I would know, never know to how to research that. Yeah, you know, no, luckily, that's why uh, it's good to have somebody that's, that's helpful that they know how to do that. Because, you know, there's things even like when I, because I have done our website and I've had to reach out to people because I only know the very, very basics. So to yeah, have somebody who's more knowledgeable in that is definitely helpful. Yeah, it's, it's huge. We only it's, know it's, what we know. Everyone's got their jam, right? Yeah, and we're over here studying this stuff. This is in our field, you know what I mean? So I think that's where it's like, we run into the glass ceiling sometimes. It's like, it's just because we just don't know. Mm -hmm. We're willing to put in the work. It's just We just don't know how to get through that glass ceiling and get to the next, yeah, you know what I sure. mean? Awesome. 
So Brian, what was um, what was the catalyst that got you into beginning, let's say, just lifting weights? Did, were you uh, growing up as a kid? Did you have an athletic background that required you to get into fitness? Was there somebody that might have inspired you? Your first time in a gym? How did it all start? Well, there's probably there's a couple few singular events that led up to this. <laughs> it, first of all, I grew up playing sports. Always loved sports. I love playing football, love running track, but I remember watching as a kid ESPN with, it was uh, Flex Wheeler, Sean Ray, and their morning workouts. I don't know if you guys remember that. Like their morning workouts on ESPN where they would lift weights. And it was just like, what are they doing? <laughs> I think that's really cool. And I also was a huge wrestling fan. So when you grow up with guys like Ultimate Warrior, Hulk Hogan, you're like, these guys are bigger than life. What do they do? I mean, all of it's just training prayers and vitamins, of course. So <laughs> I just made sure that, you know, I really stuck to that. But it was really watching that because as much as I love sports, I didn't like it as much as training, as much as bodybuilding or working out. Um, and then as I was a little older, um, the first the first time I've ever really seen it in person, uh, my sister had taken me to a YMCA. This had to be years ago. I probably was like, like 13. And she went to take a fitness class and she's like, you can just hang in the weight room, which I'm like, okay. And there was a guy in just like the short 80 shorts, bandana on, he had on a, I'll never forget his tank top, he was a little hairy and he was just squatting. And I must've been like a total weirdo because I'm just watching this guy like in amazement, yeah. right? I'm just like, what is he doing? And like, this is so cool. And he walked by me, he's like, hey buddy. He could have walked by me and been like, get out of here. And it would have ruined it. Right. But just, I don't know, whoever that, whoever you are out there, if you're still around, thank you, from 1997 or 94, probably. But it was just like, wow, what is he doing? And then I ended up running into people at Steel Mill Gym. And that's where I kind of learned a bit more about training. And then some of the bodybuilders and competitors there, like, really piqued my interest to give it a, to give it a whirl. Like, I feel like we've always worked out, right? And that's what really, like, sparked, oh, I want to go work out. And then it gets into like, okay, I want to compete and take this to another level. But it was probably a lot of that growing up. I really was inspired just by people along the way that really, like, it was just such a, it, training is such a one-on-one -on -one activity. And then you have this programming aspect of accomplishment that goes with it. But then you have that pushing aspect, that mental aspect of, I need to do what's planned here. So... So what was, so when you first started out speaking mm -hmm. of programming, how did you, how were you, you know, as a young buck, how were you going about your training? What, what determined what your training was? Where were you getting your information from? The first trainer I probably actually worked with and sat with was Dave Wolf. Um, years ago, I did, I did a show in 2000, 99 or 2000. And uh, he was really the only person I knew who was a personal trainer, but didn't work for a big company right. at the time, right? So I met with him and we just did a, a five-day split traditional, chest Monday, back Tuesday, legs Wednesday, shoulders, shoulders on Thursday, and then arms on Friday, right before I go to Chippewa. And then, <laughs> so that was really the first experience I had with training. Then down the line, reading more, well, getting the information from the right spot. So again, I, I always credit like Joe Rich when it comes to pro programming. When we had talked about just different types of whether it was, you know, 
fat or dog crap or whatever. It just was interesting to see these different approaches to training um, and trying them out and seeing what worked and seeing what didn't work and realizing that working out is much more than just beating the crap out of yourself and actually having some, having some strategy. You know what I mean? And you as well, Jeff, I'll never forget the program you gave me, which I think I still have it. And I apologize when yeah. you had it written on the, when you had it written on the big sheets of paper. Yeah. The integrated was training. The, integra yeah. Integrated training. Yeah. I think that, I think I might've gave them back. I'm sorry yeah. if I didn't, yeah, no, I but, it, <laughs> but it just, but it's, 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 it's keeping it. It's I always say there's working out and then there's training. Working out is cool. You just go and lift. Training is working out with purpose, right? Yep. Right? So it's keeping an open mind to trying different methods and seeing how you feel and how you respond and keeping notes along the way, right? It's yeah. a bit, almost like a bit nerdy. <laughs> but, so, you, but, go ahead. So back, so back in 99, you're, you're, you're training with mm -hmm. trainer Dave Wolf. Mm -hmm. what, what are you, um, are you, an active trainer at this point? Are you working? Are you, you have gym memberships, you working out of your house? What's Brian Sperduti outside of that show prep? What are you doing in the, you know, for the rest of your life? So in 99, I was definitely in the beginning stages of training. I was working at Bally's at the time, but before Bally's, I wanted to get into personal training. I've known for a very long time that I wanted personal training. I, I've always known this. Uh, but back in the day, it was looked at as more of a hobby, looked at as more of a side gig, it wasn't looked at as a full-time gig. And back in the 90s, you could probably count four trainers that were doing it full-time and having success with it, right? It wasn't just like a, a, a step to go somewhere else. To move up in a company, it was strictly just training. So the first thing I did, I took, I did a free internship at Johnson & Johnson at the Ford plant. I just wanted some experience. I didn't know what I needed. I didn't know what I wanted. In college, they had pushed us to health and wellness. Everybody had health and wellness, you know, degree. They were going for health and wellness. Um, I looked into um, a registered dietary tech, but I, I didn't want to do the internship in the in the hospitals at that time. And really talking to a couple different trainers, uh, Dave was one of Dave was one of them. John Schweikart was another one. Who just they pointed me in the direction more of certifications. They're like, if you want knowledge and actually stuff you can apply, look in that direction. So I started taking like AFA and ISSA and ACE and just stuff like that and trying to build a knowledge base and see what actually applies. Um, but the Johnson & Johnson, I did a free internship and then I ended up working at Steel Mill for a while training people. Um, and then when I started training with Dave, that was probably 99, 2000s, I started working at Bally's and that's when I got into corporate fitness. And how, how would you juxtapose the difference between the corporate training, working through for a corporation, and then uh, either with a local gym uh, like Steel Mill, and even mm -hmm. as compared to working for yourself. Yep. So I've worked for one corporate gym, which was Bally's, and you definitely trying to be, find a nice way to. <laughs> I, I don't like high pressure sales. I don't like quotas. Right. If you love what you do and you do it well, you'll be fine. You have to put stuff into it, obviously, but I don't like the high pressure sales on clients. They have enough to manage. You don't have to keep pressuring them going, hey, we got seven sessions left. You know, if you do it right now, I'll throw you an extra two. And if you do it tomorrow, I can only give you one. It's like, they're like, bro, I'm trying to track this. I got, you know what I mean? Yeah. So did I learn sales strategies? Yes. Um, was it fun? It was fun, right? But it was definitely more quota driven than actually knowledge driven. Yeah. Um, after that, I worked at Fitness Factory Gym and that was independently owned. And that was no quota, 
but it gave me a chance to grow because it wasn't high pressure. I worked for myself. I just paid rent. So I was able to try different things and explore what, what works for me when it comes to personal training. Right. You know, it, it, you know, I like, you know, I like, you know, this person's going to run this program and we're going to try to do this. So it wasn't so you got to beat them up. So they feel like they're going to throw up. So they'll re resign up with you because that's a good workout to feeling good today. Let's pull back a little bit today. Let's go 65%. You've been pushing pretty hard or program. Right. And it was yeah. like, Oh wait, people seem to be getting results and enjoying this much more. Yeah. Right. And then you kind of fight against that stigma of every workout you have to walk out. Like you're going to throw up, can't walk and can't move no days off. You know what I mean? To more structured base um, programming. Yeah. Sorry. I might've went off on a little tangent, no, there. but, no, uh, but then it went from there and then I bounced around to a few other gyms, but they were all very, um, owner base, small, small business owner base. So I never, I never went back into the high pressure sales part of things. Uh, and it's the same way now. I'm not, I always tell people I'm not high pressure sales. I'm not any of that. You want to do a 30 minute consultation and chat. I like talking to people. So <laughs> I'll chat with you. And if you want to go further, sweet. If not, Hey, I hope you picked up some info that'll help you along the way. It's, yeah. You know. I think part of this whole, especially like with our whole industry that it really can't be solely around sales because you build such a personal connection with these people that, um, you know, it's, it's of course, obviously it's a business and it's, you know, still a business in, um, to, to that extent. But I think also just then having the, the care and the compassion that we want these people to succeed and we want them to do well, and we don't want them just handing over their money you know, we want them to see the results that they're looking for. And it's not just because, you know, obviously then that that's good for us that they're mm -hmm. getting the results that they're paying for, but it's also good for them because when it comes to just their overall lifestyle and health, it, it does them well, hopefully in the long run, assuming that they continue on, whether it's with us, somebody else or on their own. Yeah. And they don't just feel like numbers. Yeah. You know, yeah. They actually have a connection. Sure. Yep. So after you, after you competed in your first mm -hmm. show, did you, was it something where maybe you got bit by the bug of like, did you like the experience? Did you enjoy your first show? Was this something like, Hey, I got to have more of this. I think I can do, you know, what was it? How did that play out into a, your future development? And did you take that experience and then at that point start applying it to your business model? Where did you take it from, from your first show? Um, I'll, I'll say this back then the approach to show prep was a bit different than it is now. Right. It, it was a bit different. So I prepped for about 20 weeks, same food every single day. Um, meal plan, just a meal plan. Meal, yeah, meal plan, same thing every day. Um, I had a, and it, I don't blame this. I, it was the time. I don't blame this on anybody. I don't put this on anybody. Um, but after that show, it was a great experience, had a ball, but I had a, I had a very hard time transitioning to real life post-show. Um, you know, it, it just, it just was, it, the, the, I, I always say I, I, have, I had a healthy eating disorder, right? Because I really had a bunch of food fears. I really had a bunch of beliefs that just weren't true, yeah. right? And it was hard to transition back into a uh, socialization aspect with people because I don't know what to do anymore. Yeah. Like I, I should. Disorder you know, eating. Yeah. So I always say it, it, it was definitely something that I loved to compete. 
I thought it was a blast being on stage. The training was fun. The body transformation was phenomenal. Um, the approach at the time, again, that's that's what we all did. That's what we knew at that time. So that's what I did. But post-show, I, I, I at that point, uh, I I had no interest in competing again post-show. Uh, I, I just to to not be able to hang out with friends, go on dates, you know, just live a life. It was just very restrictive. It, I got to eat at this time and it can't be any later than that. And you have a 15 minute window to get it in. And this has to be done then. It just was a lot, um, a lot to go through. I wasn't that interested in competing anymore, but I still love working out. So my whole point at that time, it was like, all right, cool. Maybe we just transition to like general weight loss and we don't do this show thing. It wasn't until later on in life where. And in, in, as you as you alluded to, though, at that time, that was kind Absolutely. of the, uh, that was the protocol for, for yeah. bodybuilding. It was like it was it was almost like a, a bit of a suffering contest. Whoever can, you know, mm-hmm. suffer the longest by eating just, the you know, tilapia, rice and broccoli or yeah. whatever, the, you know, the, the food of the day was. Anything and, that's going to thin your skin out. Yeah. Yeah, and just, you know, um, <laughs> stick it out the longest mm-hmm. you know you gave yourself the best chance best chance of winning there wasn't at that time it wasn't until like the early 2000s maybe a few years later where you started first seeing the flexible dieting mm-hmm. mantra which was dr joe konzeski and then after mm-hmm. him was lane norton and those guys kind of rolled that in but if i if i remember right it's probably like 2000 closer to 2004 at that point yeah, that's when it started to pick up some steam. And again, it was it just was it, and a lot of methods changed. I mean, I was doing 45 minutes of cardio a day in an hour to an hour and a half on the weekends back then. Like that's a, on top of your workouts, on top of fitting in meals in a certain time. Frame. It just was like a lot. You're just on, you're just on cruise control. Like, oh, sorry. Don't know what else is going on in the world. I need to do this. I need to do that. You know, it just was a lot. And you, you beat your body up. And you beat yourself up mentally to a point to where it's like, I could under, again, that's all we knew at the time, but I could understand how, you know, people were greatly affected by that. The other thing that using now you take, and and I know I'm sure I was guilty of this at that time too, because again, my first show prep, I followed that same type of structure, just have a meal plan, follow it to the end, maybe every so often shift, you know, pull, just reduce food, reduce food, reduce food <laughs> yeah. until the end, um, yeah. you know, just cut calories, cut calories, work out more. <laughs> um, but you, a mistake I know that I made was, okay, it doesn't have to be this extreme, but, but it worked. I get, you know, so now I'm going to take this blueprint and apply it to general population. And you've seen people just handing out meal plans you know, yes. or if somebody really wanted to do some hard work, they would give you five meal plans a Monday, one, mm-hmm. you know, five days a week, eat this, eat this, eat this. Okay. You stalled out. Here's another set with less calories. Okay. Mm-hmm. Here's a, like handing out playing cards <laughs> Again, with no yeah. flexibility, no, yeah. um, no room for change or people's tastes or lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And people took that blueprint and model and then just tried to apply it to general population. And again, it'll work until it doesn't or until people can no longer eat the same thing over and over again every day. Which probably for a general population didn't take very long. No, no. And, and, yeah, and no. that's why I think it was, you know, you had to be uh, constantly up to date on things and pushing some boundaries. And I'm sure you did a lot of self-experimenting. And yeah. 
eventually there had to be a transition out of that model. Yeah. And again, it's what we knew at that time. So it's hard to hold a grudge. It's hard to be mad at. It's all we knew. It's what the norm was. It's what you did. And it isn't like we're educated. It's a whole other podcast. It isn't like we're educated on nutrition at all properly. Sure. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you just do what you're told, you know, or you just do what well, you're you... told. And with the information that, that you've learned, I mean, this is kind of ever evolving. I feel like even from 10 mm-hmm. years ago, when I first started my, some of my thought process, even from just then have changed just because as you learn more and develop more and learn more about yourself, people around you and everything else, um, some of the information might not have necessarily changed, but, um, maybe the thought and the way that the tools are used has even yeah, or an approach, right. An yeah, approach sure. because the, the number one plan for anybody has to start off with adherence. Yeah. Can you adhere to this? Are you yeah. putting too much on them at once? Sustainability. Yeah. Sustainability. Should yeah. we slow, like, should we slowly incorporate things? What are they currently doing? Are you going to flip their eating plan all the way upside down? And they're like, it's too much for me to handle. Or is it slow changes equal big changes? So, sure. you know, it, it's it's treating people as individuals and not yeah. being so cookie cutter. But yeah. that cookie cutter made people a lot of money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it is very individualized because there's some yeah. people who feel and they do well with like, all right, we're just, we're all in. And there's some people who are like, no, I need to focus on one thing right mm-hmm. now. And let's just start there. Yeah, and a lot of people are coming. And I don't know if it's more our generation well, probably would be a lot of people come from a not so great dieting background. Oh, for sure. Yeah, there's so a lot of yo-yoing and there was a lot yes. of, I mean, I don't want to throw any, throw any places specifically under the mm-hmm. bus, but a lot of bad plans, I guess we can just yeah. call them. Um, and, and even still, though, I mean, we still see a bit of that now. And I think that people want change and are so desperate for change that they're willing to try just about anything. And unfortunately, you know, some of the extreme measures that end up being taken, they're not things that have the the life sustainability. And then they end up back where they started. Then they do the program again, end up back where they started Mm -hmm. or possibly worse in between, Um, you know, and then it's just a big vicious cycle until somehow they find somebody to help them break it or, Or they continue it. They continue it and then they pass those habits down and they pass those habits down. And then you you created this generation of yo-yo dieting because it was never corrected. But I think a lot of that does come from what's pushed on us every day. I mean, you just, I mean, you go to the grocery line and you look to your left when you're cashing out and you see magazines that are promoting things and you're just like. Magazines, social media. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I can't say commercials because it's funny. We were talking about and I said to Bella, she's, you know, 13. I go, you know what a commercial is? And she goes, you mean an ad? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because we don't, the TV we yeah. have is, you know, Netflix or whatever. Yeah. So yeah. what they know is YouTube and ads and everything like that. But that's all still built and worked in there. And then the influencers and everything else that ends up influencing. So, Brian, uh, not just, just, to, just to pull things back on track a, a second, you... I want to know what happens and how you, because we know you end up competing again. Mm-hmm. We know you end up putting a series of competitions again. We left off you saying that you didn't have any interest in it. You know, maybe the experience left you a little disoriented. Maybe, hey, it was cool, but I really don't need to do that again. What brings, what brings you back in? At what point? 
And for the next go around, what's different? Yeah, so I've always loved, even after I, I didn't want to compete because I just didn't want to put myself through that. I've always been super interested in bodybuilding. Um, you know, just the Ronnie Coleman's, uh, the Flex Wheelers, uh, Dexter Jackson's, Dorian Yates, and just seeing these humongous individuals who were super lean just was, it was impressive, right? I grew up watching He-Man. So to see that in real life was really cool. And I always wanted to compete. It's just, again, I didn't want to go through that super restrictive. I don't, I don't want to get into that. You know, it's not a dieting contest. There has to be, you know, something would have to give for me to do it again. And then I always credit Joe Rich. Rich, And we always talk about 13 steps. Because when I worked at Fitness Factory, there's 13 steps you had to walk down. And I'm like, and, and he walked. We used to always talk and joke. You guys know Joe. You're always talking and joking. And one day he walked down the stairs. And I'm like, hey, like, what's that Fruit Loop diet you do? What's the what? Fruit Loop, because he would always eat cereal in his videos. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he's like, what? I'm like, what is that? I'm like, you're lean and you're posting videos as eating cereal. And he's like, well, it's flexible dieting. And I'm like, what is it? And he's like, we went in my office and chatted. And he's like, and anytime you start talking to somebody about flexible nutrition, they go from, oh, my God, look what I can eat. And then they stop treating it like a five-year-old on Halloween. And then you realize you can just fit a wide variety of high nutrient dense foods in your plant. Right? And we had talked and he's like, yeah, you know, try this. And I'm like, all right, bro. Cause again, I come from a very different background. It's like, all right, you're telling me I can eat uh, cereal. I'm not, if this doesn't work, I'm like, I'm gonna let social media know. I'll never forget saying that to him yeah. as I'm sitting there at like 220. <laughs> well, <laughs> when I was 165, <laughs> right. Right. so it was like, I was trying and doing it. And he helped me along. He coached me along. And then it was like, okay, cool. I get this. The majority of my foods are coming from really solid sources. Because when you first do flexible dieting, what everybody does, and was what I did, it's like, all right, I'm going to have a skinny cow ice cream every night. Doesn't seem that extreme, but I've eaten the rest of my foods, protein, and, and flexible dieting. There's different ways you can do it. You can still track calories. You can track protein, calories, fiber. You can pr track protein, car carbs, fat, and fiber. So it's just depending on the person's nutritional age is really what we recommend to them. But the point uh, I'm getting at is if I wanted something on a Tuesday, I can have it. I'd have to track it and I'd have to deal with the repercussions if it's something that's higher calorically, knowing I'd have to adjust for the rest of the day. But it definitely helped me cut down drastically and didn't cut it totally, but cut down drastically on any type of binging. And I think that's what the super restrictive methods do is they lead to binging and you don't want to tell people that you're binging. Right. Right. So breaking that, it helped me break that mindset. It helped me build stronger relationships where I was able to go out. Okay, cool. I have this many calories left. I can have this if I'm going out on a date night with my wife or whatnot. Well, just with my wife, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um <laughs> and I'm just able to maneuver through life and make the best choices that I can. And I'm still seeing a weight loss. And then it went into, well, what are you thinking about competing? And all along in my head, I'm going, well, wait a minute, if I can use this flexible approach to compete, this may be something that we can kind of educate the general weight loss population on, caloric management, making good food choices, and using a method that they can adhere to. Okay, cool. It's not as extreme, right? So you can still, you want a glass of wine on a Friday? Okay, you could track it. You're going to, you want to go out to eat because there is that, that aspect of socialization that does you know, re reduce cortisol levels, reduce stress levels, reduce water retention, where you can go out and, and have that moment where it's like, wow, I went out and had a glass of wine and a dinner. I planned for it. I woke up lighter the next day. It's like, yeah, you just your body de-stressing. So 
that's all a very important part of the process. So I prepped with Joe for about um, seven or eight months and decided to do the uh, NMA show, a natural muscle association. Um, the, the prep went fantastic. Really, there were no bumps in the road, honestly, with the prep. It never bothered me to, because a lot of the foods I made during prep were foods that I just might, I just weighed a little out on my end. My kids didn't see me weighing things out or really eating much different than they were. I just was eating more because I was eating more throughout the day. Right. But outside of that, it's, it, you know, we were putting, you know, I was cooking on the grill and I just had my portion. So it was nice to be able to sit with your family, have a meal, talk, not feel like you're just, okay, I got to, you know, I got to do something else or I, you know, I'm run down or too beat up or can't eat that. Um, then the, uh, the prep went great. Uh, I went from like two, I think it was 215 to 175. And actually after the first show, uh, I did, and it's funny, it's on Facebook. I did a reverse dieting video series for like five weeks. And because the biggest issue people tend to run into with weight loss is weight regain. Because a lot of the programs will promote like weight loss, get your picture, let's go to Applebee's, get a blooming onion. And it's like, okay, what do I do now? Well, let's go back to your old eating habits. It's like, well, I, I can't, I can't do that. So that's when I started reading more up of a lot of the guys you mentioned, Lane Allen and Eric Helms and stuff like that. As far as talking about recovery or Lyle McDonald, re recomp dieting or recovery dieting to help, um, to help combat um, weight gain post-show or post-weight loss. And I do think some of those strategies work well with general population as well. So I made a little video series back in 2015 on it. And it just uh, basically monitored what I, what the changes I made each week. And I thought that was pretty interesting that I was able to stay fairly lean, lean, but yet my caloric intake was able to increase, which is really interesting because it's, it was a new area for me. I've never known you can do that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, then, and then, then you, did you, so then you, you said you were, that was kind of the light bulb moment that I can take this flexible approach and apply it to general population. Yeah. Fine. And really, yep. And a lot of that came through, again, a lot of that came through just educating the client on nutrition first, giving, giving them a base of nutrition of how it actually works, giving them a little bit of science, you know, and then seeing where they're at nutrition age wise to see what approaches you can actually recommend. You know, if, they're, if they don't know what they're doing, you're gonna have to go a little slower. It just depends. Some people, like I said, will just do intuitive eating. Hey, how are you feeling? Okay, let's just try this. Some people will track every macronutrient across the board and they're totally good with it. Yeah. So you have to find what, what fits that person. Um, and that's actually when I've probably seen the most long-term success with clients is, is taking that approach where you give somebody a meal plan back in the day, 12 weeks, they're down weight. And then like, what do I do now? And we're just like, keep going. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, well, <laughs> I don't know if I can, um, where then it became, okay, here's what we're going to do over the next few weeks. You know, we're going to start to pull this out or add this in and stuff like that. So and, you know, at that time also, so now you're, this is, you said 2015, 2015. Yep. Okay, so much different than 1999, right? I mean, that's a big, that's a big chunk of time. We're talking 15, 16 years. Mm -hmm. Trends are changing as far as eating, right? Which you, you've just thoroughly explained from, you know, straight up meal plan to flexible dieting. What about on the training and the actual, in that period of time, <clears throat> what happens putting nutrition aside? What are the changes in not only your training regimens programming and then i'm sure 
as you adjusted that, same thing probably occurred, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I would imagine that you end up applying that to your to your clientele as well. So there's mm-hmm. always the two parts or two, I would always say three parts use, always starts with nutrition, resistance training, and then cardio. Those are like kind of your yeah, three absolutely. rails. So let's go, let's go to the actual training, the resistance training, mm-hmm. weightlifting and, and how that's changed for you. And we'll stay generally within those, those time periods of 99 to 2015. Then we'll, we'll catch up. Yeah. Along with, along with training, the changing of nutrition at that time, incorporating a bit more flexible nutrition into it, training change as well. It went from, you know, it went from just going in and working out, going in and lifting as much as you can. You know, I wish we had Instagram back then, though. We all would have been great because we were just in there just clanging and banging and not caring about a thing. Yeah, I, I don't think like, people realize that it, w- it was a bloodbath. Like, like, go, you know, yeah. throw an extra plate on and, and get yeah. buried. You know, like, all right, well, let me take a little off. Let's try it again. You know? Yeah, I did 20 reps. How many more? More. You're like, I'm going to throw up and throw up. It's like, really? Right. <laughs> now I'm like, oh, I feel a little burp. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm walking away, you know, but um, the training went from again, I think, but again, it's all we knew. It was go hard in the yard. You train hard, you know, you throw on the Rocky montage and you go right. to, hey, let's monitor uh, intensity, volume and frequency of this programming and try to get maximum muscle stimulation and not be a source. So we can train muscle groups two or three days later, depending on the program layout, right? So then we went to different types of workout splits. We tracked more of what we were doing. We used more percentage-based training. We went off of exertion. If you're waking up and you're a little too sore, maybe we incorporated deloads and things like that. So I always say training went from like, don't stop, you know, clanging and banging to like nerdy deloads. It's like, what's your bench? Now it's like, hey man, what's your total volume on, on a chest day when you're doing a, it's like, what? What's going on here? Because yeah. we learn how to monitor programming and how to properly program. And it's still fun to just go in and clang and bang once in a while. But you hear a lot of people say this all the time. And I, I feel super old saying it. I wish I knew then what I knew now, because I'd probably have a lot less injuries and be a lot farther yeah. with, with physique development. Right. Sure. And even, you know, and even when it comes to competing as well, you know, you, you get feedback from judges and then you can go back and you, you base your programming off of that. And so everybody's programming is so much different, you know depending where, where where's your muscle weaknesses where's your muscle imbalance how's your flexibility like there's so many things that go into it which i don't think the general public realizes how much go into it you know they have no idea so so that's really what changed during that time and i, I mean i i always like like I, you know i was always a big fan of, of of fat and the reason i always liked fat was power hypertrophy adaptive training pretty much made popular by Lane Norton, but I'm sure other people have done it as well, is because there, I still got to have that bit of power aspect in it where I can still get the clanging and banging, but it's only really 20% of my workout on one day, <laughs> one or two days. Yeah, and then it's like one heavy, one heavy exercise, go off yeah. and you do your assessment work. Yeah. And the, yeah. Yeah. And assessment work isn't that fun to post about on Instagram. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Everyone loves a good tricep kickback. <laughs> yeah, I know. With a slight rotation at the peak and just squeeze. Like it just yeah. like, like <laughs> but um, but yeah, that's when the train the, the training changed uh, a bit. And I always say that's when I think I ha- I've had the most development. And it just and, but again, we never had that before. No, no right? No, so no. it was our era really got our era really went into the, I always say the, the more education, education, evidence-based training, then, you know, we were, that was our era. You know, we, we've been lucky enough to go through both eras 
I should say. Sure. It'd be, it used to be the Arnold Schwarzenegger Encyclopedia of Bodybuilding. So. Anybody our age had the book, tried mm-hmm. the workout, whether it was the two a day or the mm-hmm. three day split, six days a week, where you're doing it. And it was the volume was insane. Again, never taking into consideration the need for PEDs to recover from these workouts. <laughs> and you'd go through after two yeah. weeks, you're like, I can't do this again. Yeah, yeah. You can't do it. It was in, insane. But it must, you know, you thought that had to be, that's what they were doing. You know, you did mm-hmm. the, the context, the um, the nuance, and like I said, even the, the PEDs and drug use that you weren't a, really had Oblivion. any yeah, aware of how <laughs> yeah. it affected. You know, they were, they were selling a type of training that if you're just like a, a regular everyday person not using performance enhancers, it don't apply. And the same thing with the diets back then too, you know, but yeah. like, how are these people getting jacked on all these foods or lack there of foods or being able to, it was just. Yeah. It's a, uh, it, it's know. very interesting. It, it, it is really interesting because again, we didn't realize of the PED use. And then I don't know if our bodies back then, because we were so young, just were able to recover because we did it short term. You know what I mean? That I mean, there's no way we'd still be able to train like that now, what they were recommending in those books without some type of, and a lot of the PEDs people don't realize help you preserve lean muscle mass too. You know what I mean? So you could beat the crap out of yourself and you're still going to help preserve and increase muscle fiber. So it's, it's, it's a different ball game, you know? And I still, and, and honestly, I still don't think people today realize a lot of that stuff. Like they, they don't. I, no, they, no, I, I would agree. Yeah. And, and, you know, in their defense, how would they, you know? Yeah, exactly. That's, we've already you know, been in the matrix. So to us, it's, it looks a lot different. Right. <laughs> so then how did your, how did your next prep go? And how, how did that kind of wrap up going back to what, yep. 2015? Yep. So 2015, when I competed, I competed at 175. I did the NMA show and um, I had planned to do other shows on top of that. Uh, but my, um, but my, was it that at that point when, we, my wife was also pregnant, I think it was. And she had planned, I'll never forget this, I always joke with her about it. She had planned like, uh, I think, was it her second kid or first kid? She had planned like a, a big brother, she was pregnant with her second, second child. She had planned like a big brother class for my youngest and it was on the same day as the show. So I was, I'm just sitting in this big brother class. Like, <laughs> She's like, we gotta go to this. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, plenty of kids survive without big brother classes. I don't think we really, <laughs> but, um, but what I did is I had a little break from like October to January, but during October to January, when I was doing the reverse dieting, I started dieting again in March, but I had, I had only gone back up to like 183. So now I went from March to October and I was able to lean out to 165. Oh, Big difference, yeah, so, right? The huge, oh, huge difference, huge difference. Um, because time is your best asset when it comes to competing, and, and just weight loss in general. Time, you just give it time, take your time, um, and that went really well. Um, that went really well. That show, and then um, is that the Olympus? Is that another? That was the show? no. That was a D, the defect show. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, and uh, that was the defect show, and then um, I won that show, and then was able to compete in Miami which really opened my eyes to a lot of things. Um, in Miami, it was the, the defect worlds. And I always call it my uh, competition slash, slash business trip 
because I talked to everybody there. <laughs> they were the nicest people. Um, talk to them about training approaches. Talk to them about nutrition approaches. Talk to them about peak week. They were so open about stuff and so nice about stuff. And um, that was that was a really great experience. Competed in Miami. Um, yeah, that was that was a really it was a really eye opener um, to types of training that people do in their nutrition layouts compared to what we were doing in in the states. At that time, I had one guy. A lot of them are from overseas, right? Isn't that a federation mostly in like England or? Yeah, UK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and super nice. I I chatted with one guy, um, David David K, which I've seen his I've seen his pictures before going over there, so I knew who he was. Um, And it's it's interesting when you get into the natural bodybuilding world, right? Because we all know Arnold, we all know Flex, we all know those guys. But when you when you start competing in natural competitions, then you start to know some of these world champions who are natural bodybuilders. You're actually able to talk to them. It's pretty cool. And right. they're pretty open about stuff. Cause what are they going to say? Hey, I use PED. Like they're, they're tested. You know what I mean? So we hope everybody's natural. We're under a, an assumption. Everybody is. Cause we know the other groups are not right. <laughs> totally are not. Right? right. So it was just, it was cool talking to them about some of the training approaches. And I remember talking to David and uh, it was an awesome story. So I'm, I'm having coffee in the lobby of this beautiful hotel we stayed in and the, 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 the competition was in the hotel. They had a stage, like a little uh, auditorium right. and that's where the competition was. So it was really cool. So I'm in the lobby with them and we're chatting and uh, I'm wearing like a muscle shirt. You know, you're eyeing up the competition. Like I'm looking at them like in my head, I'm like, I think I got this. I think I got this. And we're talking. I'm like, so what are your, I'm like, what are you, what are your carbs at? And he's like, Oh, usually about five to 600 a day. And I'm like, Oh, wow. I'm like, that's cool. He goes, why do you guys value protein so much as competitors? And we just got in this whole conversation and we just went, we just were talking and I'm like, what kind of cardio do you do? He's like, you mean like walking my dog? <laughs> like, okay. So next day I go to warm up. He's back there. I take my stuff off. He took his stuff off and I'm like, well, maybe I should buy a dog and kick my carbs up. Cause this guy looks ridiculous. <laughs> I felt like, just like, Hey, high five, man. I'll be out there with you to support. <laughs> but the nicest guy ever, but it's interesting because his training, their training is heavy. It's almost like more traditional training. Sure. More of the but, um, uh, Dorian Yates. Yes. Yes. With the, but, uh, but smarter, but smarter. Right, you know what right, I'm saying? Right. Like, not, not, you know, go, uh, you know, break break a bone <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> the, the heavy uh big compound movements big compound movements yeah it, it was just carbs, really interesting very mm-hmm. low cardio if any yeah definitely. yeah and just and just picking their brains it's like wow that's kind of interesting um you know just interesting different approaches and you know one may not be better we don't know we don't know what's better you know but sure. there's so many different approaches that you can try but you don't know if it worked you don't know what how you improved unless you keep some type of data on what you're doing. Right. Who knows? Then you're just spinning your wheels and hoping for the best. You know, I think there also could be, and again, you know, this is all just, you know, spit in the wind. If you have an area like we'll say like the UK where that's their, uh, maybe that's kind of like the accepted way of contest prep, right? Mm -hmm. High carb, you know, heavyweight compound mm-hmm. movements. It could be that you get a pool of people that are successful with that. So if everybody kind of, and not everybody, but if that seems to be the the dogma there, 
and people try it, you're going to get the people that are going to be most adaptable to have the, the right insulin oh, yeah. sensitivity in the training. So the cream will rise to the top. Mm -hmm. If you or I try that, it may, it may work. We wouldn't know unless we tried, but it may not for, mm -hmm. for, you know, it could be several reasons. Like I said, it could be something like ins insulin sensitivity. Uh, you might just not, you know, perform and feel well with that many carbs. You might not have the orthopedic ability to train like that. So no different. They have like a pyramid of using these protocols, the cream rises to the top, where maybe mm -hmm. in the States where it's a little more high protein, a little more moderate on the carb side, and the same thing will end up happening where mm -hmm. there's not to say that there's not somebody possibly like yourself or people in that training pool that had they applied those protocols could have, you know, exceeded their, um, their potential that they reached with doing the more traditional American type training and dieting. So without a, a clear, you know, a B uh, placebo type training, the uh, scientific training protocol, there's no way of knowing if one is actually superior, I would say, or, or not. You just happen to get the best of mm -hmm. each, you know, each column of, of training. And then I guess you can say if they go up against each other, then you might have a case to, to make. Be, I mean, that would still be then, I think, circumstantial because, I mean, even just uh, the three of us sitting here, we're all, our diets could be different or how we respond to the training, everything's going to be different. So like, I feel like, you have to, in order to get any kind of actual results, you'd have to like be able to clone somebody, have everybody start off at the same point, yeah. because it could be that like, you need, you were, you were following this higher protein, maybe a lower carb, higher or moderate, maybe you're doing keto. And then all of a sudden you get a carb refeed and then you, your body just responds in a different way. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like it would have to be like, right, but you're never going to get that. Right. So, that's what I mean. So yeah. it's not like. And that's what was cool, though, is they were super cool. They weren't like, we did this. They were like, oh, we went here. How come? It was very friendly. Like, oh, you guys did this? Oh, we. and it was just like having a cool conversation. Of like, oh, that's like cool. The information was being held hostage and that you had the yeah. better and, and uh, yeah. get some. They weren't like, oh, Americans. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> they were they were really cool about it. And it just was like, oh, that's interesting. And it just was an interesting approach. Because then you could get into the discussion of like, well, how many grams of protein do we really need? And maybe could I move some of that protein to a carb? Or could I do, given I'm saying, so it's not that it's going extremely high like they were, but could it just be a percentage based on my intake and see how I feel with that percentage coming from carbs? Because his calories were also really high. So you get what I'm saying? Yeah. But it, they, it, I think they do a very low fat approach, right? Where honestly, if I keep my carbs at a certain level and my fat's a little higher, I feel better. That's just me. Right. Yeah. So again, you know, it, it just was an, it was cool to have a conversation with people that wasn't so attacking. It just was, oh, yeah, this is what I did. Oh yeah, this is what we do. How come you guys do that? And it's just, it's like, oh, this is really cool. Yeah. So I pulled a lot from that show. And, and to put things into a timeline perspective in that 2015, 2016, I would even say from, from like 2013 to 17, it was like the nutrition wars was definitely, yes. there was a block of years there where it was like, paleo, vegetarian, um, um, you know, flexible, flexible dieting, dieting, you mm -hmm. know, caught some traction then. And, um, I'm trying to think of, you know, there, 
there was uh, calorie counting. Yeah, there was all kinds of different little niche, you know, things that yeah. in you, social media also was really starting to ramp up then. Yeah. Um, so you had influencers and YouTube, and there was in that little block of time, people were really starting to dig their heels into, you know, my way, this is my way, and trying to brand themselves and, yes. you know, that type of thing. So, I just so maybe somebody can appreciate how unique your experience was that these people weren't so dug in and were open no. and communicate because that was unusual at that time. Yeah. A hundred. Yes. And that's the cool thing is I think we get, I think we can appreciate an approach and go, ah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I could see where you're coming from. It worked for you. Did you do that? Okay. And then you almost try to find some common ground within the approach. And it's like, Oh, you're, you're, you lowered the calories, but you use this approach and you felt better, not only physically, but mentally, you felt a little less inflammation. Oh, really? Well, maybe I'll give it a whirl and try it. Or maybe I'll make a little adjustments. It wasn't you're dumb. No. Right. right. Yeah. So I think you can appreciate when you can have conversations and find common ground and what works for one person, depending on where they are, may not work for another, as long as it's safe and not too extreme, you know, or extreme, you know, yeah. but I, like you said, I think what happened was during that era is everybody's trying to brand everybody. I'm the best. This is the best. You need to do this. And it's like, when you, you close down conversation, if you're already the best, there's no need in me telling you what I do. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you're already the best. Right. right? So yeah, you're the best. I, Why do I not talk? <laughs> yeah, right. And over. You know what I mean? So I think that's what I miss is just like more of the open conversation, more of like because back in the day it was forums. Because right? that was the first that was the first source of social media prior to social media. Oh, yeah. you know. Yeah. And it's like okay, cool. You know, and, and you can have a discussion. They didn't get they got crazy, but not as crazy as it is now. Now it's it's gotten to a point like. People like there's no more conversation. You know what I mean? It's kind of just I want to brand. I want to grab this. I want to grab this, and nothing else is better. And it's like, well, maybe we could find some common ground in some other areas. You know what I mean? Yeah. When it comes like to nutrition, like you said, I feel like that's gotten better though over the last couple years, at least. That it really was like that that time frame that everyone was. Mm-hmm. Oh, I agree. I think that time frame was a crazy. Yeah. Wild, wild west of nutrition and and I think that everyone branding. kind of um over time has kind of opened their eyes like you said like oh okay well maybe this can work or maybe this can work for this period of time and then maybe I need to switch things up and try a little bit of this approach and it doesn't have to be something that it's like so black and white that you have tunnel vision and and don't use your peripheral to see what's around you as well yeah, when I when I realized this was very much like because uh, I watch sports a lot, and um, I was listening to Joe Rogan one day, and he had on Lane Norton and Don Don Augustino. Uh, right? Dom D'Agostino, yeah. D'Agostino, and it was keto, ketogenic, right? He was yeah. very much ketogenic. Lane was flexible, and when they sat down, Lane's like, or Joe Rogan's like, "This is gonna be good," and they're both like, "Oh, we just got done deadlift, and you know, like, high, we're gonna agree on a lot of stuff. Like, we're not gonna." white we're just just having a discussion and that's when i realized oh this is like football like jim kelly goes to lunch with dan marino and bills are bills fans are fighting dolphin fans in the parking lot right. this, isn't, this yeah. isn't they're actually having a conversation with each other they're friends but why are we screaming at each other if the people who developed it are cool with each other yeah why are we dogging each other out over stuff you know well right. i i think that and i'm gonna be very careful not to steer us into into the weeds but people like to join teams, you know, yeah. so, and it can be with anything. People want to be associated with 
you know, whatever it could be. And, you know, and this can go into, you know, politically, yeah. people want to be on a team aside. I stand for this. And the same thing, people were using that with, with nutrition. Like, yeah, this is, I'm on this team, you know, and you can see it, you know, the, the vegan community has a strong team mentality. Mm-hmm. If you're not with us, you're against us. And it, it, everybody was digging their heels into, uh, to be a part of a community and those, you know, you even had like say CrossFit, which we've talked about, you know, amongst ourselves in the past. I always give them a lot of credit for a lot of Absolutely. things, but they <clears throat> also were responsible for that dig your heels in team tribe community. And that also some of the repercussions from that is causing division divisiveness. So, you know, it's a double-edged sword. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to, you're going to build a community, but <clears throat> you don't want to do that at the expense of segregating or, you know, people and exiling people from your community. And, you know, just because you want to be different, differentiating. Yeah. So there's, yeah, a lot there's, there's not a long, there's not a lot of wrong or right. There should always be negotiation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Conversation. And, and like you it's said, soul. <laughs> like you said, my man, um, <laughs> you have Lane Norton, who is, you know, the, um, the spokes model will say for flexible mm-hmm. dieting. And although, you know, not one of my favorites, just because he, he kind of, he's a little abrasive. Not that I, I don't like what he says. Sometimes I just don't like the way yeah. he says it. Do you think and that's he, a through the years thing though? I, I he think, wasn't like that early on. Maybe early he's on, he was very, sick of saying the same thing over and over again. <laughs> I said that to somebody the other day. I'm like, early on, it was like, hey guys, Lane here. Now it's like, yeah. oh my God. okay, listen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I follow him on Instagram, maybe. And, you know, he gets tagged in all these posts and he's like, all right, here we go again. <laughs> yeah. Like, just this isn't what, you know, and then he goes into, um, you know, the, the somewhat deep, more deep uh, scientific terms of things. Right. Um, and it is, it's like. I also think it's almost become like a caricature too, like yeah. almost too far. And that's kind of become mm. his role, you know, mm. but who am I to say? And then, but you had like Dom Diagostino who would be viewed at as, you know, the ketogenic, which would be for whatever reason deemed as the opposite side of the spectrum. But, sure. but the, the agreement in the middle, like you said, they have, there's more in common with anybody that's open-minded enough to see yeah. it than not. Okay. And a quote of yours, which I love, and I've stolen from you since Brian is, you know, making changes with a scalpel, not a hatchet. You know, so making yeah. a lot of times maybe transitioning from something maybe a little more restrictive, like a ketogenic diet or a low carb approach, and then eventually trying to integrate some more flexibility, bringing carbohydrates back, dropping fat down. And rather than just being like, okay, let's just make flip the switch, it's just with a more measured scalpel of approach of working people into it to the point where they don't even realize that they're transitioning, you know? Mm-hmm. And it just becomes more of a natural flow. They're starting to experience some different foods. They're starting to have a little more flexibility, like you said, with socializing. And that measured approach um, it can transition and flux people in and out of these dogmatic programs. And they don't even, they don't even realize it because it's so in- incremental. And mm-hmm. I think that in any, from a trainer's point of view, you can learn more from your clients than they can learn from you sometimes. And the mm-hmm. more people you work with and realize that 
hey, people have different needs. There's different personality types. There are different types of responders. When you see somebody new, you can start to pick up and say, okay, this person responds to either this type of training better, this nutritional protocol together, which you already deemed is the number one um, factor for success is adherence. So Mm -hmm. I need to do something that they're going to be able to adhere to. It can't just be about me and what I like to do. It has to be able to be something that they can do. And a smart trainer would be open to that and be looking for those openings to to take advantage of. There's so much when it comes to the individualization that it's, you know, like you said, the adherence, but then also the different, the difference between training with males or females or training completely Mm -hmm. different. um, And this could be a whole other sit down podcast too, is just working within a female cycle, training their their nutrition and everything Mm -hmm. else that they're, what their training programs are can't do the same thing it's it's we're, we're just built different no matter and that's not an argument it's just a fact we are literally just built different so what you're able to do if you're able to do you know with maybe a deload built in a strength training program i mean in, in some you know there's going to be within a female cycle that you have to be mindful like i know for my own self when I'm ovulating, I have to be more mindful. I get low back pain. And then two weeks later, mm-hmm. when my actual menstrual cycles about, or my period's about to start, then I get more back pain again. I'm extra fatigued. Your, um, your joints are a little bit looser. So there's so many sure. considerations just within that too, that people don't seem to want to always acknowledge. So it's more than food. It's more than the programming, but it is so much of just the person. Maybe they don't have a gallbladder or they don't, I mean, there's a whole slew of things that you have to be aware of. I, I think the way we look at clientele is everybody that walks in is a case study, mm-hmm. right? So it's not my approach is the best. Well, it's more of like, well, what works for you? Yeah. I don't, I don't know anything about you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. Like you were saying, you made a good point too. You can't just treat women like little men, you know, like it's yeah. some, some, some clients that I work with, if, if they have, you know, like you're saying with programming, like, are you on birth control? What type of birth control are you High on? estrogen, have, low estrogen. Yeah, est- exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah, you have PCOS. You have, you know, amnuria. Like, you know, what? how severe are your cramps? Should we plan deloads during that time? Because me screaming at you, probably not going to oh, make yeah. plans Yeah, I have endometriosis. <laughs> Some of my yeah. entire workout cycle has to be based around that. Exactly. And that's what I think those are areas where we dive into now, right? Yeah. And we're interested in that won't be appreciated till 10 years from now. Well, of course, you know what I and mean. I don't, when said, I don't think that there's that's again. This could be a whole different discussion, but I don't think that there's enough topic of conversation because people seem to strictly. I mean, not everybody, but for the most part, want to be focusing on nutrition and exercise and forget that there is an entire um, other physiological aspect to it that is so mm-hmm. beyond that. Yeah, I had a few female clients, we adjusted their macronutrient ratios dependent on what macronutrient the body was utilizing most efficiently during that time. That was pretty yeah. interesting too. But towards the a, a, a late luteal phase, uh, like uh, early and late luteal phase, we increase fat drops carbs because, and then the earlier phase, we increase carbs drop fats just yeah. to try different things, just to try different ratios to see what Lyle McDonald wrote the women's book, which is awesome. Yeah. It's humongous, yeah. it's like 500 pages. The men's books like seven testosterone drops throughout <laughs> life. Okay, cool. Um, the, the, the women's like, you know, 
28 day cycle, you know, this cycle, this type of cycle based on the second level of progesterone in the birth control. This time it's like, yeah. holy cow. Like how, why are we taking this generic approach, especially with female clientele? Yeah, you really can't. So, I mean, the other thing is too, is that basically like, you know, going through your cycle, there's a period where your body actually is using more calories. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's something else I don't think that people really yeah. see that, so, that late luteal phase, your hunger tends to increase. Yeah, that's why when people talk mm -hmm. about their cravings, it's, it's not BS. It's not, it's, that's an actual thing. Yeah. And, you know, your body does tell you like the, the salt cravings that people have. Mm -hmm. That's, that's yep. genuine. Yeah. And that's another thing. Back in the day, trainers would say, suck it up. Let's go. It's like, I'm, yeah. I have cramps. Push through. It's like, now we're like, all right, well, maybe we'll pull back instead of just screaming at you when you're already not feeling great. Right. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Right. For sure. And just the, the, as Jill just said, even the fact of sodium, I mean, yeah. sodium was demonized for so long and now oh, yeah. people are using sodium supplements. Yeah. The you know? mm -hmm. element packets are, you know, and you know, for electrolyte replenishment and everything. Yeah. Things are it's always very... in flux. Yeah. And, that, and that's why you really have to keep an open mind because things are always in influx. Science, we're always learning, right? Yeah, that's if the we beauty just... of science is that it's a lot of, it's never just, I mean, not never, but for the most part. It's never settled. Yeah. It's never settled. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. There's always all your... information coming about. Yeah. And you're just trying to do the best which you the best you can do with the most current information that you have, yeah. right? Until something changes. Right. You know, we, we don't know until we, we, yeah, we don't know until it changes. How are, keeping you, an how, open are you on, huge. how are you on time, Brian? Are you still good on time? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Oh, okay, cool. So he knew better that when he was getting on here with us, we would, <laughs> this would not be a short, short cruise. So after your, your, so was that your last experience uh, at Miami worlds as far as like bodybuilding? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was. Yeah. Okay. So, and that takes you to about 2016, 15, 16, 2016, 2017. Uh, yes. Because when I was, yes, because then, um, uh, right after worlds, um, <laughs> right after I, I, you know, it was wild. I was on, I, uh, I, I went to Miami, had a blast, had fun, had two young kids at home at the time. I'm on a rooftop in South beach, which was hilarious. I was with a group of people and I'm like, you know, in Buffalo drinks are like a buck. You know what I mean? I'm like, anybody want to drink? You want to drink? No, everybody good. I went and got like a, a drink and it was like $14. And I'm like, thank God nobody else asked for a drink while I came over here. It was so expensive. And I'm sitting in this little, little like tent thing and you could see, you know, it just was beautiful. And I called my wife and I was talking to kids on FaceTime and I'm like, I just want to go home. <laughs> like, I just, I just want to go home, you know, but uh, it was a great experience though. It was a very fun experience, but that was the last time I competed was during, during that time. So the million dollar question, any, any plans in the future? Is it something that you might want to revisit or do you think you enjoy the coaching process more? I would, I, I really, see, it would take me a lot, I think, to compete again. Um, I think I would, I would, I don't know. I don't know. Like I always get an itch and then I get hungry. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> I feel like you <laughs> and I were talking about this when we were in, um, where were we up in Syracuse? Yeah, it's like, up in Syracuse, you and I were sitting together. We're like, yeah, that'd be good. And then we're like, so what are we ordering when we go? To yeah, the yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what? I'm really thinking. Oh, are those quesadillas? Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 I, I don't, I don't. I, I feel kind of back and forth about it. Um, 
I kind of, I kind of had like, I feel like the era of especially natural bodybuilding in our area during like 14 to like 17 was awesome. And there was a lot of camaraderie. There was a ton of people competing. It was a great vibe. I don't know how I feel about it now as well, much because men's bodybuilding, especially, let me say that that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I would, I would, I would love to, but I, I go, I go back and forth with it. I guess I go back and forth. Do you think that by, um, cause I, I know I always got great satisfaction from the coaching on, and when a client does yeah. well, and I love that. Comes in well, and that was always as much as gratifying as the, you know, self com, you know, competing for yourself that for many years, that was plenty for me to stay peripherally in the sport and mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. And there was a lot of satisfaction in that. And, and you still have to, you're, yeah, you're not dieting. You're not putting in the, the elbow grease physically, but the, you're putting in so much mental, you know, emotional energy into trying to help that person through. It's still very draining. It's Mm -hmm. a lot of time. It's a lot of, you know, involvement on, on your end. And I think that's why you probably get the satisfaction and because you feel like you put as much work. in. Um, So I can see how somebody would be like, yeah, I really don't need to compete myself, but you know, as long as I'm still, you know, working with people that are, you know, it, there's a lot of satisfaction to somebody that wants to go that deep, you know, right. Yeah, you know, general fitness and all yeah. those different health goals. That stuff's fantastic. That's what we do. Yeah, man. I, 90% I mean, I was super, of the time, you know, Especially I was super so well too, right? Yeah. I was super proud of you, man. Like to see you on stage and knowing I could be a part of that was, was awesome. Actually, you know what? I think my biggest issue with competing again, not that I don't want to do it. I think my biggest fear is my work sacrificing. Sure. I think that's probably my biggest fear of doing it. Like when I, like it, it, like there has to be like, if there was a group of people doing it, it was fun. It was vibing. It was cool. But I still have that fear of like, you know how that, that becomes your number one priority. Yeah. 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 It's it's hard too when you have little kids. Cause I mean, that's, I mean, my daughters are 11 and 13 and that's even something. Cause there's times that they're like, Oh, let's go out and do this. And you don't want to be like, Nope, can't gotta go hit the, Hit the treadmill, hit the workout, or whatever. I mean, that makes it a, a, can make it a challenge too. So yeah, because I mean, like I the last when they were younger, but I just I don't know how I don't know how I did it when they were younger, but yeah. managed. And you know, the last I know the last like two months of prep, I'm a I'm a complete ghost. I'm checked out mentally. Oh yeah. Yeah, I remember my wife telling me that she's like, it's not that you weren't, not that I cared about the prepping or the dieting or stuff. She was, I just lost you for like two months. You just you were there physically, but mentally you were just. Yeah. Gone. She goes, you were just sitting there in like a hoodie and sweatpants in the middle of summer gone (laughs) because you were cold. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's true. Yeah. And then you feel mean because I think like her, her, I think it was her dad was moving and like they came to the house to pick something up and my wife's like, oh, we got to move my dad. I'm like, I'm not moving anybody. But they see you sit on the couch, lean and ripped, and you're just like, I'm not moving anybody. And it's like, but they don't realize, like, no, because I, I can't move. <laughs> yeah. You might be lean and ripped, but that's all, what is it, the thing, all show and no go? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm like, a brisk wind would take me across a parking lot right now. Like, I got nothing. I remember, and, uh, I think I got, like, maybe 
maybe even a month before peak week. I remember doing like seated shoulder presses with five pound dumbbells. I was like, oh my God, why are these so heavy? This is nonsense right now. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. Let me just go take my shirt off and look at myself because I, I can't lift anything. Yeah. <laughs> like when I competed, I went from before that, I was, I did a powerlifting meet. We did the um, mm. USPA, um, the powerlifting meet in November. And then I ended up doing a figure show in March. So like, right after that powerlifting meet, it really changed gears. And I had to like, and I remember talking to him, he's, he's basically like, you need to get your, your mindset, right. You ain't lifting heavy anymore. Eventually you get to a point, <laughs> yeah. you're not even lifting a barbell. It's, it's strict dumbbell work because from a mental standpoint, at least, I think, at least for me, I went from deadlifting, I think like 270 pounds to you're going to do overhand overhand barbell rows or stiff like deadlifts with a pair of tens mm -hmm. you're call it a day and you're gonna like it you're gonna like it. <laughs> yeah and, and that goes back to the point of understanding during a prep and again trial and error our era didn't know better yeah. we thought that people were training crazy up to the day of the show uh three weeks before the defac show i was hanging around 167 and i went in just for a normal day nothing big through 185 on the squat rack squatted it hit the ground Oh one of the God. other trainers came over like, yo, I seen you go down. You okay? My back went out. Oof. And it's like, well, but in my head, I'm going, it's 185. Yeah. Like, not like I, I do this all the time, but my body's going, well, we have no cushioning between joints right now. Our body fat's super low and our strength isn't there. And yeah. you just put a humongous load on your back and you're really in a, a vulnerable stage right now for injury. Like the injury risk is very high. And that's when you learn, okay, cool. Now I know during a certain point in prep, this has to just go to like, Leg Either, yeah, yeah. You have to switch stuff around. Yeah, maybe not even much working so much. your way back up. It, I mean, initially when you come off and you're in that like refeed phase, just because you're getting some more calories than you were, everything's not back to where it was. So if you were if you were squatting 185 in your warm up sets, you might not see 185 for a couple to a few months, just because you need to work yourself back up so that way you're you know not risking injury depending on. Mm -hmm. And that's our era's trial and error, right? It's our era. Yeah, for sure. After the show, we're like, let's get to training. It's like, I can't <laughs> yet, even though, you know. So to, to put things into a little perspective from mm -hmm. now, we from like 2017 to now we're closing out uh, 2022. Um, I think you already maybe alluded to the, at least the local natural bodybuilding scene has changed quite a bit. What's your perspective on the change from what, what, how would you describe that change from 2017 to now? What do you think was maybe the cause of, the, of some of that change? And maybe, which we've talked about before, the role of social media mm -hmm. in that change. And what do you see for maybe what's your outlook on the future? What I think changed competing is social media because now, we're going to use the term exertainment, right? Before social media, I remember, I'll never forget this, Aaron Newman, I think he won, won the Mr. Buffalo show, came down to CMO. I'm like, hey, Aaron, I'm Brian. I'm one of your friends on social media you don't know that follows you. That's kind of weird. And he just started laughing. And it was like, I knew him because he won the Buffalo. I was there, right? Okay. Really pre-social media. Now, anybody can go on and become famous through social media. And there isn't that much prestige or 
there isn't as much, uh, how can I say it? When you win a show, you may get endorsements. You may get different things from, you know, the benefits of winning. You win, but you can get those same benefits and never compete and never have to go through really how we talked about diet, like diet, like how hard you, you, you can be, you can get just as famous without having to go down those roads. I think that changed okay. a lot. I think people would rather make YouTube video, which is fine. Again, it's all negotiation, right? Yeah. I think we people can have would rather, their ego strokes without having to put in the full extent of the work. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's true. And, yeah. but is that a good or bad thing? I don't know, but I know for men's bodybuilding naturally, locally, it's probably not the greatest thing. Well, it, right. now we just had local, you brought it to my attention that there was a local show that just postponed, possibly canceled. I think I'm, two just did. I think two. the other one just, I believe the other one as well, just oh, canceled wow. locally, I believe. So I'm, I would assume, and I, I might be totally wrong on this, but I, my assumption would be lack of competitors just wasn't a big enough, big enough draw. So, uh, and I may be wrong, but that's usually what, what the case is. Um, and I've definitely noticed, and we've seen, you know, drop off locally, but yeah. since, you know, getting ready to compete, you know, a year ago, I've gotten into like on my, in my social media feed, starting to follow other federations, mm -hmm. different. And it seems though, in certain areas, the sport's still pretty strong. Oh Maybe yeah. Just locally, not so much, but there seems to be some pockets where there's still some good competition Mm -hmm. Even back uh, when I competed back in Syracuse, Naples, there was there was some good oh yeah competitors there. For you know, sure. some of these guys look great. And, and Columbus was a good show. Yeah, we were we were in Columbus. So there was, I I don't know. I mean, it's unfortunate because you'd like to see the local scene a lot stronger than mm -hmm. it is, and for whatever reason it it isn't. But I think if you are willing to maybe travel a little bit, um, mm -hmm. you can still find you know, a pretty good natural, um, you know, physique community out there and with the social media, which, so think about it, right. It's, the reason why I know this is social media, Instagram, mm -hmm. a lot of good podcasts out there. There are, you know, people that are making a name for themselves in natural bodybuilding. And so to me, it still feels like there's hope, you know? Oh, definitely hope. A absolutely. I think now I think the biggest plus for natural bodybuilding is social media. And I hope there are people out there that go through that find ways to really bring it to the forefront, right? Because you're always going to have your people on social media. Then you have those people that are fixed, like they are the social media outlet and they're really doing a lot with it. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. More coverages it shows, more interviews it shows. This guy won, check him. You know what I mean? There, there needs to be that there, there's a good community, but there needs to be some unity. unity. Yeah. Yeah. Unity in the community. And then put the exposure as well, yeah. make it bigger than life. Right. Where you're starting to attract more people to keep it alive. Yeah. And then there yeah. might be an opportunity for somebody to create the, you know, uh, natural bodybuilding network. Yeah. You know, Which would be bring awesome. some federations together and, and get in touch and with the champions of the sports, the males, the females, mm. and yeah. um, bring, if you bring that awareness, cause I would, you know, I think what people like to see, Hey, this is possible. This is, yeah. I, I might be able to do this, this, it looks amazing, but it, 
it also seems like it could be attainable. Yeah. You know, where some the other, you know, non-tested, you know, things are just like, oh, get, these guys look like balloon animals. That's, yeah. that's insane. And even I, I don't want to look like that. Yeah. Even the girls, they, you can tell they're juicing up because you see them and you can it's tell. Extreme. It's yeah, too extreme can... and, and they don't want, not everybody wants to pursue sure. that, that look. Do you think though, people don't realize that they are like we were talking about earlier. I think people, hundred percent, hundred percent. You just talk to general population, and we take it for granted that everybody knows the difference and right. can spot it. And yeah, I would say, I would go high. I would say nine out of ten people do not know. You know, if, unless they have any exposure to the sport, do not know the difference between natural, unnatural. Much less the difference between federations. Or right. if you, you lined up ten people, couldn't pick out you know, who was, you know, using performance. I would almost be inclined to say, say, yeah, I would almost be inclined to say that there are people probably in the general population that might even just look at any of us and think that we use some kind of performance enhancer just for the simple fact that we have any kind of muscle build. Not. No, nobody's saying that. (laughs) Nobody's saying. No, there are people, there are people who are like, oh, they must use steroids. no, I could, no, I, I, no, no, I could, no, I could see that just for the simple fact is like, people don't understand what you can achieve. And some people just like to say that just because they don't want to put in the work to yes. look the way you do. Do also, you get what yeah. I'm saying? Yes. But like, I, I don't think like people realize the difference. Uh, there was just Andrew Chappelle did a study uh, on this years ago about performance enhancement drugs with three, three different case studies. I think it was a 16 week study. I'd have to look it up, but he was just talking about uh, group A took performance enhancement drugs, proper diet, proper training. Group B uh, used performance enhancement drugs and it was like a minimum of training two days a week, no diet, eat what you want type deal. Uh, group three was all natural, proper diet, proper training. The most, uh, the group A lost the most amount of body fat and gained the most amount of muscle. Group B, the performance enhancement group, at least trained two days a week, you know, no more than that, blah, 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 had the second most body fat loss and um, muscle gain. And then the natural group who trained with proper programming and nutrition had the least amount of body fat loss and least amount of muscle gain just to show you. And he's like, just to show you the effects, they wouldn't take them if they didn't work. Yeah. And just because they take them and look a certain way, doesn't know they doesn't mean necessarily mean they know what they're talking about because that's going to work. Right. <laughs> that's going to yeah. work very, very well. Right. That's why, you know, that's like people would say like, well, it's nothing more than taking like an ibuprofen. I'm like, yeah, but my ibuprofen costs $3. Yours costs 275 per month. Like that's, a, you, you pay that much because it works. Yeah. And you I, know and what I mean? As you, as you said, if you have somebody that um, uses them for themselves and are able to, you know, get good results from them, like we said, because they work, that can also skew their ability to work with somebody that doesn't use those. And it might 100%. be harder for them yeah. to get mm-hmm. them, it, you know, where, depending on their knowledge base. Yeah. Why isn't this mm-hmm. working? And yeah. it also goes the other way where if somebody is using them and I would always be the first person to say, I'm probably not your go-to guy. I don't have experience with them myself. So mm-hmm. I really wouldn't be the best person to help you manage them and it would take me it would be a more of a learning curve where i'd have to learn your body and how you respond to 
food and exercise with this added variable because I don't have the any equal <laughs> one experience of, with myself and my client base isn't, uh, I don't work with that demographic, so I don't have that mm-hmm. experience. And I've told Same people, boat. Yeah, yeah, I'm not, probably not your best bet. There's a lot of good people out there that have that experience and you may want to go, go that route. You know, why it's just, yeah, and on, on the same boat, it's it's too tough. I, I did it once, and I'm like, never again. Just not, never again. I don't know what I don't know what it's doing. What the side effect? I, I don't know. Yeah, it's and after that call. experience, I'm just like, nah, I'm good. I just it's it, I'm a hard enough well, it's time. No good it. for anybody. It adds more stress to your to yeah. your day to day because I mean, you know, but, I'm not opposed. I'm not opposed to working with somebody like that. I'm just saying I'm probably not. There's better people out there. Yeah. I just have no clue with it. And it's, yeah, it's a tough, it's a tough sell because there's too many factors, too many factors come into play. And and Um, that's not a more, a moral judgment. It's, Oh no, no, I don't care. I'm just, I'm probably not going to be good enough for, for, you know, what you want to spend, you know, find somebody. I'll never judge people. I mean, I'm I'm good friends with guys that are, and they're they're actually really knowledgeable guys that I know. And um, I talked about a lot of stuff and it's, you know, it's just something like why go to me when you go to someone like that? Like yeah. I, I don't know. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that was the um yeah, but the competing was great. Um, you know, but again, I, I hope that the 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 natural bodybuilding and then the show that we went to, the two competing in, in Syracuse was great. There was a great crowd. I like the way they ran the show, it went very smooth. Yeah, the guy you who know, ran the show did a great job, I thought. Yeah, Mike Halsley, he does a great job. I like how they were split, you're out of there early. I think that format would attract yeah, more people nice. yeah yeah really I, nice I mean i remember too when i competed it was it it was a long day and yeah. um i can imagine so that for like bodybuilders and i'm not poo-pooing anything but for bodybuilders i think that that's it's just a little different to then have to wait until last in the morning until last in the evening um you know after all the females go and after the physique and everything else mm-hmm. um Again, it's it's a different aspect of the sport, um, but I think that it's makes it a little bit more of a challenge. So splitting it up like that, I think, is really good. Yeah, I do think it's proper promotion of the sport would be great. Like just proper promotion as far as, you know what I mean? Getting, uh, I don't want to say current with the times, but the way things are promoted through social media, making it just an event well, instead yeah, of just I a show. That- yeah, I don't think anymore that it can't be just creating an event page. I mean, now you have to almost take advantage of like reels and TikTok and take advantage exactly. of all these like yes. video clips. Because I mean, there could be some real badass promotions going on with mm. those. Oh, what oh, yeah, with those tools within the outlets too. And, you know, I just haven't really quite seen it yet so much. Yeah. And I think that there's definitely room and opportunity to help promote the sport a little bit more. And even before putting a show together, just in general, taking some of the old video footage or taking some of the video footage and using that to put together some kind of video to promote the sport in general, and then maybe focusing on building mm-hmm. a show around it because you a have- A little commercial with past champions. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, all of our um, acquired um, marketing that we've developed in yeah. the, the, the CEOs of our yeah. <laughs> being the marketing facts. directors of our of our companies. Yeah. <laughs> so, Brian, what's in the future for Spur Duty Fitness? What 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 do you see coming up? Anything? Any special things coming up for the end of this year? 
the future of Spruity Fitness still sticking, obviously, because with the launch of the app, which we already talked about, mm-hmm. staying in the, the virtual realm, any any possibility of the, getting back into the physical realm, brick and mortar, any of that on the table? What's it look like? Well, right now, it just we're growth. So my whole thing is I want to build a platform where trainers can come and grow virtually, right, where we can come up with ideas together. I can, you know, take them through the process of setting it up, putting it on the app, and then they have the ability to teach their class right from home. So my big thing right now is growth. You know what I mean? It's giving trainers a platform and helping them build off of that platform and promote their classes. Um, as far as brick and mortar stuff, and I don't, I don't know. You might see me pop in here. I haven't been in a gym in two and a half years. So that's crazy. I haven't yeah. been inside of a gym in two and a half years. That's wild. So that's wild. That's really wild. But that's the big thing with the app is just bringing more, bringing more, uh, giving more exposure to and bringing more services uh, to Spruity Fitness, whether it be mental health counseling, you know, registered dietitians, you know, Zumba, just anything through the podcast, helping promote local businesses that offer benefits and services, uh, you know, acupunctures tonight, we have someone on that teaches um, Pilates. So just, just really just building and growth of the company, hiring more trainers, like I said, and growing our class schedule, growing our personal training department, things like that. That's what the big focus on here, that push forward. That sounds exciting. Yeah. I'll give you the last words, Brian, where can people find you? Where can, uh, where can people reach out and get more information if, if they need to? And uh, Awesome. Yep. You can find us at spadootyfitness.com. Uh, it's right online. We also have the Spaduti Fitness Virtual Training app. It's available on Apple and Android platforms. You can access the app through your Apple or Android platform app store, or you can go to spadootyfitness.com and click login and register through there. On spadootyfitness.com, you'll also find a class schedule as well. Feel free to enroll. We're running a bunch of specials right now for people that enroll. And you can also find us on Facebook at Spurduty Fitness, as well as Instagram, Spurduty Fit. And we do throw up some TikToks too once in a while. That's Spurduty Fitness. (laughs) Well, Brian, thanks for joining us on the podcast. A pleasure as always. Looking forward to following your your content in the future. And we'll we'll definitely have to uh, do this again in in the near future and and catch up in person for, uh, for a cup of coffee. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on, guys. It was a blast. All right, Brian. Great talking to you. All right. Bye-bye.